Today, I got some hilarious tales for you, uh, kind of bridging the gap between the, the U.S. And, and Peru. Welcome back to another episode of In the Middle. In this podcast, I discuss my and my guest experiences living in multiple cultures. Hi, my name is uh, Eddie Minaya. I'm a creative professional in the D.C. area. I was originally born in Peru, and my family and I moved to the D.C. area about 35 years ago. Today, I got some hilarious tales for you, uh, kind of bridging the gap between the, the U.S. and and Peru. I'm going to tell you the, the story of my transition from the Peruvian culture to the American culture. Keep in mind this was back in the you know, late 80s, early 90s, so picture this. 13-year-old me, freshly landed in the U.S. from, from Lima. Uh, the cultural shock was, was real, my friend, you know, so let's start with uh, school lunches. You know, in Peru, um, lunch at your, your school is very different. The school system overall is different. First, you, you stay in a, in a classroom all day, uh, and your teachers rotate, unlike the United States school system where the student moved uh, to different classrooms every period. Uh, that meant that as a student, you were stuck in a classroom the entire day, so well until the bell rang for lunch, and then people would run out of the classroom like animals. It was just like a, like a scene of a movie, how a massive number of, of, of people, the students, would literally run out of the classroom to buy their lunch at the cafeteria. And you wanted to be first, so you know that explains why um, why the running. Lunch was um, at, at the school in Peru. What I remember, lunch was sold at these little stores. Uh, it looked much like a think of it as a food truck, uh, but not on wheels. So we used to call them kioscos, and and you would start um, kind of wave your money in front of the lady behind the counter to buy your your pan con pollo or bread with chicken. Your your sandwich of turkey, your soda, likely was like a like an Inca cola, like if you you know, and if you had enough money, like chocolate cake. I remember this kiosco in the in the school went to uh, I went to um, Peru had a really good chocolate cake. Um, so if you took too long to get to the kiosco, well, then you would encounter this ocean of people in front of you that you had to get around somehow uh, to get in front of, of the line to kind of buy your lunch. Uh, so that's the reason why people kind of run out of the classroom the second the bell rang. Uh, compared to a busy club, uh, when you're trying to get the in front of you know, in front to get to get a drink and you're trying to get a bartender's attention uh, to get a drink, well, that's kind of like it was the same same experience. But that was not the end of it. Once you got your sandwich, your cold drink, your delicious chocolate cake, you had to run out of there and eat it. Uh, in a corner as quickly as you could. Uh, forget forks, knives, and you know, and the reason why you had to eat it so quickly was uh, many of the older kids, you know, the bigger kids and more popular kids would ask you to share. And if you did, um, they would just bite the sandwich like completely, you know, almost eat it all, uh, taking the entire thing. And I remember that, well, now it makes me laugh, but at that time, man, the smaller kids, they would either have to skip lunch, bring things like fruits or something like the other kids won't won't take. Uh, you know, so many people find so many people found ways to to um, so the other kids wouldn't take your food. So you you gotta have had to start thinking of a strategy, and your strategy was to run to the kiosco, to the store, buy your food, run out of the uh, kiosco area, and spit. I mean, literally spit on your food, uh, and then run. So no one would ask for it, 
I mean, that sounds gross. Um, that's funny, you know. That's that's how it worked. And, you know, it worked at that time because then people wouldn't ask for it. Now, let's compare it to to lunch here. When I when I first got to school here, um, I had a card to buy lunch. Uh, you do the line, the cafeteria. You get your food, and there were you know there were things like pizza, burgers, mystery meats. <laughs> pasta, sandwich, chicken nuggets, you know, not the most nutritious, but this was also food in schools back in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, so I'm sure the menu is different today. Um, I remember at first it will, I would look around to see if people were like looking at my, at my food and I was like, you know, it's like I'm, I'm ready to spit on my food. So no one would take it, but not everyone, yeah, everyone had their own car to buy their lunch and they did their line in the cafeteria and they went to and sat down on their table. It felt like there was no risk of people taking it, you know, unless, of course, it was some sort of bullying situation. Um, I quickly adjusted to, to the change and no, in Peru, at least back then, you didn't have lomo saltado as lunch in school, but you know, now with this uh, culinary boom, uh, I wonder what schools serve, what those schools are serving, but I have a feeling it's still pretty much the same as it was like 35 years ago. So now let's talk about language and slang. This was a, this was a little bit of a, of a tricky one. Um, Spanish slang from other countries was confusing, uh, especially from someone that, like the, my 13-year-old me, where I hadn't, I hadn't been really too much outside my Lima, Peru bubble. So hearing other people speak in Spanish, but other slang was confusing. Um, and funny at the same time. I remember this must have been maybe a month uh, maybe a month after I started school, there was this kid from El Salvador in a class with me. He didn't like me much. I don't remember his name. I mean, I don't remember who he was. But I think, you know, he thought I was, uh, I hitting, I think, uh, he thought I was hitting on the girl that he liked. And, you know, things got elevated and he wanted to fight me. I was sure scared that I was going to get my ass kicked. Uh, and one day in the hallway, I remember he said to me, Te voy a dar... Verga. Okay, for the ones that don't speak Spanish, this, this to me translated to, I'm going to give you V-I-C-K. Yes, that's exactly what it translates to. I know, slang from other countries are, you know, sometimes are hard to assimilate, but what came to my mind when I heard this, I was like, uh, I guess he's not mad because I like this girl, but probably he likes me, likes me. So I was a little less scared, but, you know, more than anything, concerned for, <laughs> for other reasons. Well, I learned that in Salvadorian slang, te voy a dar verga means that he's going to kick your ass. Um, so my response, you know, without knowing what it meant at that point, was like, uh, no, thank you. Um, I'm not into those things. But, of course, that answer didn't really make sense. Well, did it. <laughs> we got, I got away. We didn't fight. We didn't, I didn't get my ass kicked. Uh, you know, it's funny to, to tell this story today. But I also remember hearing expressions uh, in English like uh, break a leg, you know, before a performance. And I, you know, as I translated that in my head, 
I was like, what in the world? I didn't know what it meant. Uh, good luck, you know, until later. Um, but then the first time I heard it, I was like a little shocked and how lower people were to, to wish other people harm. Well, in this case, it was the opposite. We were telling them, you know, good luck. Fun memories, man. Now let's talk about the holidays. Um, my first 4th of July was like a blockbuster movie. And it was, uh, seeing those fireworks was amazing. It was like, you know, I was used to fireworks for Christmas and New Year's. That's how, you know, in Peru, that's how it was back in the, in the 80s. Uh, and I think it's still like that today. Uh, very different. Um, but now, you know, seeing them the 4th of July was just awesome. And, you know, I, I really enjoy, uh, you know, the holiday and I, I look forward for, uh, to the 4th of July every year. Okay, now let's fast forward to uh, Thanksgiving. Um, the first time I celebrated in the, uh, in the United States, well, first of all, um, let's talk about turkey. Turkey was something that in Peru they eat on holidays for Christmas, uh, and New Year sometimes. So eating it in November was not much of a change. But once I also learned the reasoning behind Thanksgiving, I understood why Thanksgiving is not just you know, what it is. The meaning, you know, it became one of my favorite holidays. Uh, and uh, and it's just, it feels like it starts the, the holiday season, you know. So because right before December and, you know, Christmas turns the following month. But my first Thanksgiving, my family and I were supposed to go to my uncle's girlfriend's house to celebrate it. Um, it was a lot of us. Uh, we were going. It was uh, you know, one thing that drives me crazy about my family is that some of them, not everyone, but some of them always are running late. Uh, well, we were invited to my uncle's girlfriend's house. Uh, she's American, and it was about noon. Uh, and we showed up like for, I want to say around 4 p.m with the turkey, the beer, the desserts, and, and it was at least 10 of us. Well, she was upset. Um, I remember she opened the door. She didn't even look at us, just walked away and slammed her room door and didn't come out. Um, I was like, well, what's happening? Yeah, she was upset, you know, that, that we were late and she was like, screw it, I'm not going to celebrate anything with y'all. So, you know, we stayed for like 20 minutes questioning well, what's going on and what we're going to do and then my family decided to leave so we left and we went back to the apartment we took our food or beer or desserts you know and we had our own Thanksgiving back then but now that I think about it um, we were rude for being late and keep in mind that this is before you know, cell phones, pagers, social media so my uncle's girlfriend had no idea how late we were, we were going to be so I side with her today. She was right for being upset. Um, one final big difference was um, personal space. Um, here in the United States, is you know, it's sacred. I'm like uh, nowadays like that as well. And you know, I come from a culture where you kiss on the cheek as a hello, even when you meet someone for the first time. And at first, I'm sure I invaded so many personal bubbles. Apologies for anyone. Uh, who I met back then. Uh, I wasn't trying to be fresh. Um, I just didn't know. Uh, it's not, but now, nowadays, it's a little uncomfortable, especially the times that I've gone to Peru and I get introduced to, to someone that, for the first time and they want to kiss you and give you a kiss on the cheek to say hello. Uh, and I feel like you know, that's invading my, 
my, my space and I think like my dad is sick and I'm not gonna get sick from them. <laughs> you know, it's just now, it's just the way, now the way I am as well. So, you know, there you have it folks. Um, the comedy of errors, my cultural journey for 30, from 35 years ago, but you know what, embracing these, these funny differences is what makes life beautiful and unique, the fun memories. Uh, of things that happened before, uh, you know, I embrace those memories, I learn from those memories, uh, and you know, they're just fun to remember. So stay tuned for more cultural escapades on In The Middle Podcast, and remember it's not just a podcast, it's a cultural roller coaster ride. It's a roller coaster ride. So share, like, and subscribe. Let's make this episode go viral. And you know what? If you'd like to be an episode, send me a DM, tag me in a comment, or email me at eddie at eddieknows.tv. So catch you on the flip side.